Ulterior. I started Euphoria the other day, fully aware that the season is about to end this weekend, uh, yet I just kind of got tired of consistently every single fucking day seeing this show be talked about in every single subsection of social media that I navigate, so Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, literally every fucking place I go to, Euphoria is all that is ever there, so I, I also used a sound clip from euphoria in a recent tiktok i posted so it was like kind of hypocritical of me i thought to be like hey here's this euphoria related tiktok yet i have no real knowledge of the show beyond um you know drugs nudity every other cool thing about life um <laughs> I, I as of this recording i've only gotten through the first episode but really cool really entertaining really interesting and i for sure do want to watch the remainder of the show Hopefully, by the time the finale premieres on Sunday, probably not likely, but that is at least the goal on my end. Uh, so for this episode, uh, it's going to be kind of packed, but also uh, just kind of chill, I think. So brand new singles from the likes of Memphis Mayfire, Jason Richardson, uh, Ed Sheeran, Heart of Gold, and a few others that I'm going to get through, and then Records. This was a really cool week because all five of these records are from bands I had never heard of before last week. So we have uh, Travels, Siphon, Scarworn, Esprit Dier, and Introvert. So yeah, thanks everybody. Enjoy this chapter. It was pretty crushing last week on Twitter to watch in real time the members of counterparts, uh, you know, have to inform everybody that the upcoming tour with Census Fail and We Came as Romans and Sea Space Cowboy would not be happening. Um, and it, it, it was pretty easy to figure out the reason for that. Um, so at the time, all that we knew of was that Census Fail had canceled the tour in favor of jumping onto another tour, which that is, you just, you don't do that. You're really not supposed to do that. It's such a fucking dick move to, you know, fuck over not only fans of these bands, but also the bands themselves who, you know, for, for a band like Counterparts and, you know, also uh, Romans and Speed Space Cowboy, there is no way to make up this lost time with another tour out of thin air. It's just not going to happen. And Census Fail, uh, I don't know the tour that they've jumped onto now, but uh, that is what happened. And then also, um, uh, Buddy Nielsen, the vocalist of Census Fail, had made a statement uh, this week about how, you know, it's not just getting onto a new tour, but also being home for the birth of his child, which, understandable, um at the same time, like, you kind of should have known that you were going to, uh, have a baby around this point, or that at least your baby would be born around this point, and you kind of have to be attentive to that, and maybe not book a tour, and then ultimately cancel it, and then go on another tour. It's just a giant fucking headache, and, you know, it, it really, really sucked to see all that unfold. Um, yeah, I, 
I, I definitely feel for everybody, uh, sans census fail involved in this situation. Um, but you know, all great people in all three of those acts. So all, all the best in the world to them moving forward. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and move into singles right now. There's quite a few to get through. I really, really liked this past week of singles. Genuinely, every single song I listened to was really fucking good and was like a reminder of why I bother with this medium and why I love C music so much and covering C music for that matter. Um, but my favorite song from last week, I cannot fucking believe we're doing this again, y'all. Memphis Mayfire and their brand new single, Make Believe. And I say I can't believe we're doing this again because historically for the last couple of years, Memphis Mayfire has been a band that I just have no interest in whatsoever. They don't normally do anything that I gravitate towards that I feel inclined to share some kind of a passion about to uh, all of you or just anybody in my life in general. Um, you know, I, I think I've gone on this rant before, but like before this past summer, 2021, the last thing they did that I really, really fucked with was Prove Me Right, which was the, I believe, lead single off of Challenger turning 10 fucking years old this year. So this was a band that I really counted out. I didn't think that they were ever going to put anything worthwhile out again in their careers. And since uh, Blood and Water released last June, all that they've done is just drop banger after banger after banger after banger so far this year with um, uh, The American Dream and... um. Uh, make believe this new single they are the first band to achieve multiple spots in the year-end list for ulterior uh, keep in mind as of right now the ruling says you can only have three songs memphis has fucking two already dog and they've got a brand new album dropping june 3rd called remade in misery and by this point we, we've already heard like more than half of the record through the singles so you know i generally generally think that is like kind of strange when bands go that route but i'm not going to complain when memphis mayfire is just coming out of fucking nowhere and dropping some goddamn heat after being so boring for so goddamn long make believe is a bit slower than some of the other material that they put out yet the pacing of it is just so immaculate that chorus fucking delivers maddie mullins gives one of the best performances of his fucking career um you know, it, again, it's like slower, yet that breakdown that comes on later on in the track, it still has the same level of ferocity as the other, you know, true to form metalcore songs from Memphis Mayfire. I genuinely, honestly cannot believe that I'm sitting here gassing up this band to the extent that I am. And it really genuinely begs the question, is Memphis Mayfire one of the best bands in the world? Because the answer is they really, really might be. New single out from Jason Richardson and Luke Holland featuring Tim Henson from Polyphia. The song is Upside Down. Oh. 
this is what happens when you take three of the single best musicians in the entire world right now, put them all in a track and let them do what they were born to do. Um, so Jason Richardson used to be in Chelsea Grin. That's at least like what I know him from. And one of the cool things about this track, Upside Down, was like the, uh, the kind of guitar tone that Jason used on Ashes to Ashes, the Chelsea Green record from 2014. That is like so prominent in this track. Um, Luke Holland on drums. So Luke has kind of like been around the scene. He's done quite a few things. He used to be like, uh, like a full time member of the Word Alive. And then he recorded some stuff for Icy Stars and Starset. I believe right now he is like, technically a member of falling universe uh, i i know he was in the zombified video and he's on tour with them right now so yeah luke is basically in uh falling universe uh but dude is a goddamn beast and he's been maybe my favorite drummer in the entire scene for pretty much 10 years now like all the way back to that um that cinema video from like 2011 2012 whatever it was um and then tim henson from polyphia in my opinion the best guitarist of this generation. Tim is unmatched and his style is just like so apparent to him. And what I mean by that is when Tim comes into Upside Down, like during the second half of it, you can easily tell just from the way the guitar sounds that it's him. You're able to differentiate his sound from Jason's because they're so like cemented into their characteristics and it's like unmissable. You can't uh, mistake these tones for one another. Uh, you know, Jason is Jason, uh, Tim is Tim, and them working together in unison for Upside Down just made for one of the most gripping instrumental songs I have ever heard in my life. There is not a dull moment in Upside Down. It's captivating all the way through. I love this song so much. And uh, again, like, just being able to hear these three artists deliver everything that they were born to is fucking astounding. Uh, let me talk about Heart of Gold for a second. I always enjoy being able to mention this act on here because I think he is just phenomenal in every sense of the word. So his brand new single called Bright Lights. And the other thing about Heart of Gold is like, this is kind of a little bit embarrassing on my end. And it took me so long to realize that the Earth's Heart of Gold is pretty much like a one man show. And that one man is one of the vocalists of Being as an Ocean. And I mentioned this in the year end top 100 songs series, uh, where I took so fucking long to realize that it literally was not until Headache dropped last August that I just finally realized, like, holy shit, this is that guy. No wonder I'm so drawn to Heart of Gold. Because I love being able to hear, you know, like a heavier side of his musicianship through being as an ocean. And then the more pop sensible stuff in Heart of Gold. So Bright Lights does everything that I love so much about Heart of Gold. Just like those infectious pop tones all throughout the song um the way that the chorus is able to like kind of be a little bit more monstrous than the verses not heavy at all but just like more anthemic more atmospheric more arena ready just these songs it, bright lights you know in particular for this conversation just fall into your head so easily 
yet there is no ease whatsoever in getting these tracks out of your head. That chorus to Bright Lights has just been like engraved in my brain ever since I first heard it over the weekend. And I've just gotten like accustomed to that being the case with every new Heart of Gold song I listen to. Like if you just want something that's like fucking fun and catchy and poppy and energetic, go check out Bright Lights. We got a released studio version of a collab that I mentioned briefly last week. Um, Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran featuring Bring Me the Horizon. So, Bad Habits in its original state is a really, really big song right now. Uh, it was on the Ed Sheeran record from last year. Uh, equal or plus sign or uh, equal sign, I mean. I, I don't really know how you're supposed to say that name because it's literally the symbol, but uh, whatever. It's a pretty good song, honestly. And then last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was at this point, uh, Bring Me the Horizon had joined Ed Sheeran at the Brit Awards to play a like rock version of bad habits and it <clears throat> sorry it did really really well on social media the reaction to it was incredible and after that there was this uh like a facetime video between ollie and ed posted to uh social media and at that point i was kind of just like what the fuck is happening like what is the timeline for a genuine collaboration between bring me the horizon and ed sheeran to be happening um, and, and then I got to enjoy the song on streaming services all weekend. Um, it, it's generally just really, really good. Uh, I guess maybe, you know, I would have liked for selfishly would have liked for a completely new original track from both of them and not necessarily just a remix, but it is a good fucking remix at that. Um, yeah, I, I love this collaboration. I, I would hope that there is something else planned from the two of them or two acts in the future. Imagine if Ed Sheeran was on Posthuman 2. Like, that would be a monumental mindfuck. Uh, Bad Omens. This is their week. It's their fucking time. Their new record, The Death of Peace of Mind, drops the Friday that this uh, podcast is being released. Um, they did give us one final single beforehand, that being The Grey. Like, this might be weird to say, but I generally feel, like, so proud of Bad Omens because back when I first heard of this band, you know, 2015, 2016, that time frame, like, just like seemingly everybody else, I really couldn't look at them as anything other than Baby, Bring Me the Horizon. Uh, they still sounded great on that debut album, but, like, that was kind of the... Um, like the cloud over them, I suppose. And they've done an amazing job at shedding that over the time since then, you know, with uh, Finding God Before God Finds Me and then now The Death of Peace of Mind. Everything that Bad Omens has done feels like so smart and calculated and well thought out. And they're the kind of band that, you know, 
like like amidst all of the wild, crazy, and at times bad shit that happens in the scene, Bad Omens feels like the constant good or one of the constant goods in alternative music. The Grey does everything that I could ask for out of Bad Omens right now. It's just so well-paced. The chorus is so explosive and catchy and... I have all of the excitement and anticipation in the world for The Death of Peace of Mind dropping this Friday, February 25th. Um, if you want like an early review of it, uh, the State of the Scene podcast, they were able to hear this record early and they have a full review out on their uh, episode this week. So go check that out. Uh, so there is another like scene inclusion for the Gran Turismo 7 soundtrack. Uh, this one comes from Nothing But Thieves and it is called Life's Coming In Slow. The other Gran Turismo 7 song I've covered on this show before was that cover of Moon Over the Castle or Castle Over the Moon, whichever one it was, uh, by Bring Me the Horizon. That was an instrumental track that carries the legacy of Gran Turismo, whereas Life's Coming in Slow is, as far as I can see, an original song by Nothing But Thieves made for the Gran Turismo 7 soundtrack. Um, so Nothing But Thieves, I don't get to talk about them a lot on this show or just my uh, platform altogether but i think they're one of the best bands out there that has like that sort of straightforward alternative rock sound with pop rock mixed in every once in a while um nothing but these just a, a great band all, all in all and then life's coming in slow uh, you know, it achieves everything that I expect from Nothing But Thieves. It's infectious. It's just like so danceable. Like you can just bob your head to it. Uh, it, it's a really, really fun track. And I love this song's inclusion for Gran Turismo. New Animals as Leaders single, uh, Gordian Knot. This is the third single off of the record Barigia, I believe that's how you say it, um, out March 25th on Sumerian Records. So this follows up both uh, Monomyth and The Problem of Other Minds. I feel like with these three singles, what has happened here is I've gotten like a sense of Parisia or Parisia in like a, a way that elevates itself every single single. Uh, why did I say every single single? That was so stupid. Um... So, like, Monomyth was really good, and then the problem of Other Minds I thought was even better, and then now, Gordian Knot is one of the best songs I've ever heard out of Animals as Leaders. So, similarly to what I mentioned earlier about Upside Down by Jason Richardson and Luke Holland, Gordian, or rather, Animals as Leaders is an instrumental band, and the way that, with Gordian Knot specifically, they're able to capture, like, this kind of apocalyptic sound with just instrumentals, it's so like just a, a testament to how great the members of animals as leaders are as musicians the synchronicity that they have with each other that ability to take these sounds with no lyrics and get across the exact vibes that they intend to um gordian knot is fucking amazing uh, like just you know prog metal that kind of stuff generally doesn't really excite me too much but with animals as leaders they have this 
uh, sound down to a fucking T that I think is like an unparalleled caliber compared to other bands within their boundaries, I guess. The final single that I will be going in detail on comes from Villain of the Story. It is called Karma. So I've been aware of Villain of the Story for a while, and I did listen to their album from 2020. I can't remember the name of it right now, but I remember, like, I thought it was good. Sometimes maybe kind of a, like a little bit of like a downward trajectory, but then sometimes like when the record picked itself up, it really fucking picked up. Um, Karma, I believe, holds like a weight to it that... I haven't really ever heard before on a Villain of the Story song, specifically the chorus. And I think Christian Gray's performance here is one of the like best moments of his entire tenure. Um, Christian, I remember being a, like a cover artist on YouTube. Um, I think recently he's been doing like reaction videos, which is a great way to get, uh, you know, potential eyes and ears on material outside of his own act. Um, like I'm looking at his YouTube channel right now. He's like recently reacted to like Slaughter to Prevail, Ginger, um, Lorna Shore, uh, I Sign Kill. So like, you know, he covers a, like a wide array of scene bands. Um, and I think what, uh, he's done like for that end of the scene, but then also his own work in Villain of the Story, it's just, it's really, really admirable. It's so cool to watch. Um, and again, Karma is in my, in my mind, opinion, undoubtedly, the best villain of the story song ever made um and i at this point really cannot wait to see what comes next out of them these were the remaining singles last week all of which received five out of five iterations from me amazing by akuma six over it by ali slater featuring jackie vincent patterns by always never undertow by archetypes collide what i like by belmont eda by body snatcher Dystopia uh, by Caliban featuring Kristoff from And Is Okay. I Want Out by Crooked Teeth featuring Glimmers and Matt Copley. Open Letter by Distinguisher featuring Joe Bad. Burn by Hidden Figures. A Decision by Incl- Inclination. Thoughts and Prayers also by Inclination. Newsflash by Kaizo featuring Kamiata Plus. Want It Bad by Kid Cudi featuring Nigo. Barb Teeth by King Yosef. Suffocate by Landmarks featuring Chunk No Captain Chunk. Good for Her by Mothica and Emlyn. Memory Solitude by My Promise. Critical Hit by Notions featuring Very Abstract. Slay by Pale Dusk featuring Hideyoshi. Younger by Savior. Who's in Control by Set It Off. Come Undone by The o- Oklahoma Kid. Gorgeous Disaster by Titus featuring Kellen Quinn. Pretty Stranger by Tropic Gold. And Wavery by Vane FM. And again, all of those singles I gave fives to. Just an incredible week for singles. Fucking uh, just song after song. I was like so blown away and taken aback by how good this week was. Um, and then going into records, this was really interesting because, like I said at the top of the show, every single uh, band that put out a record last week, I had never heard of before. So this is my like sight read if you will my first experience ever with all five of these bands 
And I'm going to go ahead and start with um, my least favorite from last week, but one that I still have, you know, a few good things to say about. And that is Chapter 1, Memento Mori by Scarworn. There is not at all a deep discography for Scarworn on Spotify right now. So their catalog goes back to 2020 with a single called Drown. That ended up being a standalone. It's not part of chapter one. Um, then you get to A Rift Between Us, and that is where the cycle begins. So it goes A Rift Between Us, Blood Promise, and Sinner a Saint. Um, so, you know, those uh, three singles proving to be, like I, I would say, good material on the part of Scarworn. Um, I, I would also say that they all kind of suffer from the same thing that other songs on here like Vendetta or Dead Space or Call Out do. And that is just the fact, or not the fact, the, the opinion I have that there are moments on this record that attempt to kind of be like callbacks to 2000s post-hardcore, like that MySpace era. Um, but I think the execution isn't necessarily up to par with some similar material. So when I was listening to, uh, this record, the thing that I kept having in my head was, uh, uh, Incubus by Famous Lost Words. That record turned six years old this year. Holy shit. Where does time go? Um, but how that record, you know, it kind of does the same thing. I think where it's meant to be like, or not meant to be, but I took it as, like paying homage to 2000s post-hardcore and i sense a similar theme with uh memento mori yet there's just something about the way this band goes about executing those concepts that it sometimes misses the mark for me personally i think a lot of it has to do with the clean vocals because more often than not on this record i hear the cleans and there's just some disconnect that I find between myself and that element of Scarworn. Not to say that the cleans don't sound good because they do, yet I just kind of feel like, you know, within like the post-hardcore revival shit that you've been, or all of us have been seeing with bands like Static Dress, Sea Space Cowboy, Risk Me Razor, those clean vocals, okay, let's take out Static Dress because I think all the Apple Yard actually is like, um, you know, attempting to have like a modernized, uh, post hardcore slash metalcore sound with his cleans. So let's look at, uh, Connie from Sea Space Cowboy, for example, and how on their most recent record, The Romance of Affliction, you could sense like that, um, like that wariness, that tiredness in her voice, yet it never sounded flat in any area, I believed. Whereas with Scarworn and Memento Mori, I think the cleans do sound flat more often than not on these songs. And that's the element that takes me out of some of these tracks. At the same time, there are moments here where everything is clicking. And I'm going to use Dragonheart track number four as the best example. Because I think Dragonheart is the best song by far on this record. It was one of those moments where like, I could just like tell myself like, this is where this band should be at. Like, they have it down. They're not clueless. They know exactly what to do. I just don't believe they did it for every single track on here. 
And with Dragonheart, like, the moment you press play on that track, that, like, emphatic intro that, again, speaks so highly and clearly to 2000s post-hardcore, and it strikes every little bit of nostalgia in my weird heart, and then once you get to the, the chorus with clean vocals, it sounds great, I think. And, you know, maybe that makes it a little bit frustrating that for Dragonheart, they were able to elevate themselves and have the exact energy I want out of them, and then for most of the record... It just couldn't really meet those standards. I think something that really does a lot to make portions of Memento Mori memorable come from the final two tracks, Worlds Apart and Black Snow. Worlds Apart is the slowest and softest song on this record. It picks up by the end of it. Um, but for the most part, that song is just like really, really scaled back and the cleans sound gorgeous in my opinion. Um, so, you know, I hear that song and I'm like, between that and Dragonheart, I know this band has the talent and the abilities. They definitely have the versatility to pull off what they're trying to. Um, and that's why, like, it, I'm not dropping off Scarworn and why I will be paying attention to what they do in the future because from those two songs, I get a really, really good glimpse at what this band sounds like when they're just like on fucking point. And then the closer, Black Snow, I think that one, it sounds like a good summarization of the entire record up to that point. And it takes some of the ideas from some of the songs that maybe, you know, kind of fall flat in areas and just really, really allows those moments to shine in ways that they didn't prior on the album. Um, so M Memento Mori, I, I give it a seven out of 10. I, might go less now if I could looking back on it because I didn't revisit this record aside from the songs I just mentioned with Dragonheart, Worlds Apart, and Black Snow, especially Dragonheart. That song really, really did a lot to make Memento Mori at least somewhat memorable in my mind. Um, and I, th I think... Uh, this record is definitely worth listening to. If anything I've been talking about with Pulse Hardcore speaks to you, if that's something that you're interested in, I would say definitely check out this record because maybe you will end up having, you know, a more favorable opinion on it uh, over my own. Um, but for right now, I'm able to say that Scarworn, they did a good job getting those ideas out there. They weren't, uh, you know, fulfilled in most areas, I believe, but the parts where they are fulfilled, like on Dragonheart, it really, really shines, and it shows through what could be coming in the future from Scarworn. Uh, let me go into the new Esprit d'Air album called Oceans. So from what I could gather about Ispredier, I also hope I'm saying that correctly, uh, through looking online about them and the Wikipedia page. So, uh, it is a Japanese rock band that is based in London. And it, so initially when they formed in 2013, it was like a full-fledged band, but for the last couple of years, it's kind of been like a solo project on the part of Kai. And I, I, I see that and it makes this act even more interesting to me because having all of these ideas seemingly come from just one mind, that being Kai's, it adds like a level of admiration to Oceans because there is a lot happening here. This is a monstrous fucking record. I reviewed 16 songs for this album because that was considered to be like 
um, you know, not the bonus portion of it. But if you go into, uh, you know, said bonus portion of Oceans, it expands to 20 songs and that makes the runtime one hour and 16 minutes. And, uh, you know, I, I've gone on this before and how sometimes it can be kind of hypocritical for me to voice any bit of displeasure over long runtimes for albums because, um, you know, I've said before that shit doesn't really appeal to me. But then at the same time, one of my favorite albums ever is City of Evil by Vang Sunfall, which is like an hour 11, hour 12, something around that point. Um, so I guess what I'm just really trying to get at is I think there are ways to do long records. And then there are ways to easily diminish the quality of your material as the record progresses. I would say that Oceans falls somewhere in the middle, but more leaning towards the positive side. I don't have very many negatives to say, negative things to say about Oceans. Um, and Esprit d'Air at large, because this was again my first time, uh, getting to listen to his work. And for the most part, I was blown away. I, I thought, there's a lot of really, really cool energy happening here. Um, you know, because it's like Japanese rock or Japanese metalcore, it does have like those anime opening vibes. Um, and I, I really, really appreciate that. I love that. Um, I think on a song like Leviathan, which is the, the third track, and it was a single beforehand, that is pretty easily far and away my favorite song off of this record. I think it has the exact structure that I'm looking for from Japanese metalcore. Um, the execution of all these concepts, it just like, um, so take other, you know, bands within that realm, like Crystal Lake or Crossfaith. This eclipses some of those bands material. I, I, I don't feel any bit of, uh, like shame or, um, not shame. That's not the right word. Uh, hesitance in saying that. Um, and on the subject of Crystal Lake, there is a song here that actually features, uh, Ryo Kinoshida, the vocals of Crystal Lake. Uh, it's called The Abyss. I kind of, I don't want to say that I don't know what went wrong with that track because nothing went wrong with it per se, but take what was happening with songs like Leviathan and Ocean's Call, which are the two singles or two songs rather that, um, uh, predate in the runtime, The Abyss. And it feels like there's just something missing with The Abyss and Rio's inclusion didn't necessarily help that area, if that makes any sense. And then from there, it's kind of the same story with the song that follows The Abyss, that being Dead Zone featuring Ben Cristo, who uh, he's been in acts like The Sisters of Mercy and Night by Night. And again, I just don't really know if there is anything to be added to this song from a feature spot that could have made it better. So, um, you know, there are some songs here that I don't really feel as strong of a connection to as I do some of the other material. It's not a great disconnect, but it's enough of a disconnect for me to sometimes listen to these songs and be like, I don't really, really know about this. Um, I think Nebulae, the seventh track, is another a substantial high point of this album. And again, when I'm talking about like anime opening energy, it just feels like so right at home with the kind of entertainment mediums that I adore. And for that reason, there's already like a strong connection to Nebulae the same way that there was with Leviathan. Um, I think the final stretch of songs brings forth some really, really interesting ideas into Oceans. So I would say this run starts with Distant Waves, the 13th song. That one is like kind of meant to be an interlude and I went four out of five on it. I don't really, really remember why because I'm listening back to, or I listened back to Distant Waves before uh, doing this review and it was really, really good. Uh, I enjoyed like what it brought, how different it was. 
Um, and then that goes into glaciers, which kind of has like a different take on some of the ideas in oceans. It's a little bit slower, a little bit more scaled back, yet it feels more impactful than some of the like other heavy material on oceans. Um, that goes into Moonlight Tides, another uh, interlude type song. Uh, again, just really, really beautiful and gorgeous. And then from there, the closing song, uh, Encounter Orchestra Mix, or at least like that is what's being given to me by the translation because the title is like fully in Japanese. Um, so I I've mentioned anime opening so many times in this review. Encounter gives anime ending vibes. So like the song that would play during the credits of every anime episode, um, you know, just like that kind of emotional backing. It's just like such a, like a, a shift in the tides per se not not to give like an ocean pun but just a shift from some of the material on this record that i really love um while at the same time i'm able to say that i love encounter all the same um with esprit d'air i really really like what i was able to listen to i don't think it was perfect i think there were some moments where maybe i was like losing a little bit of interest kind of like falling off per se um but I, like just knowing that this is you know essentially coming all from one mind this is outstanding like the guy is genuinely a genius i would say i again enjoyed a lot of what i got to hear i will continue to follow esprit d'air from here on out. i'm going to continue to follow every band that i cover for this uh review section or record section rather for this episode but with esprit d'air I can't help but just feel there's something a little bit more commendable here because it's coming from again a one-man show uh, what's next? So, uh, okay. Uh, the new Siphon record called Marionette. Again, my first time hearing this band and... Uh, there is a really, really interesting and unique sound happening here with Marionette. Um, so, like, again, no exposure to the band beforehand, had no idea what was going to happen. Uh, I, I press play on the opening song, The Ventriloquist, which is kind of just meant to be an intro. It's uh, a minute 46, yet it packs so much life and character, uh, more so than I would say you'd normally hear for, like, intro songs. Um, and when hearing the ventriloquist, the first band that came to mind, like almost immediately was era. There's a lot of like that prog stuff with era happening here. Um, you know, those guitar tones that are like so specific to era, uh, it just kind of had like a similar, uh, like vibrancy to era's music. And that is what I expected coming out of the ventriloquist to hear for the rest of Marionette. And then you go into delusions and yeah, you still have some of that era sound, Yet it feels mixed in with like some bits of post hardcore, some bits of punk rock. It's just like so strange. And it was kind of like, uh, uh, this instance where I had to like kind of just take a step back and be like, okay, what is this that I'm really hearing? Because it doesn't sound like what I was expecting coming out of the ventriloquist, but I liked delusions a lot. I thought it was a great song, a perfect song even. And then the like experience becomes even more jarring when you get into the third song so do i so so do i out of everything i reviewed on a record this week so do i was my favorite song i think that one has this really really strong chorus that like implements uh you know some of like the uh like the more melodic stuff that you hear out of the scene 
And in some ways, I would say the drums sound a little bit offbeat, and that makes for this strange rhythm, but it works really, really well in my opinion. I really fuck with So Do I. Um, and from there, that same energy is kept up with Withering Away and Shattered Pieces. Again, just like, um, they're able to take some of the, uh, like the, that weird, uh, like guitar structured type of music for the scene, yet it just feels like so well structured and just melodic and, uh, really, really put together. Cease and Decease, great name by the way. Um, so that one feels like kind of, uh, a bit more daunting. Like it's kind of slower while at the same time being heavier than what you got to hear before this track. Uh, it kind of just has like this, like a, almost like an apocalyptic sound to its delivery on all fronts from vocals to guitars, to drums, to bass, like the, uh, other, uh, elements thrown in on production end. It's just given its own identity compared to everything else beforehand on Marionette. And I really, really enjoy it for that reason. And some similar notions on the song Vengeance and Violence. So that one, again, you know, has like that daunting type of feel to it. Same with Cease and Decease. But there are some orchestral elements thrown in that just add to that doom nature, per se. Um, I was actually going to get into the closer right now, but I just remembered something that I really, really should have mentioned beforehand uh, with Marionette when introducing them. So this is the new project of Veil of Maya vocalist uh, Lucas Magyar. I think it's how you say his last name. Um, so I only found that out afterwards when hearing, uh, Marionette. Had I known that beforehand, maybe my expectations of the sound would have changed, but also maybe not because understanding it's a side project. So of course it's going to be different from Veil of Maya. Um, but again, this is Lucas project. Uh, so Veil of Maya fans, Please go check this out. Any fans of anything, go check this out. It's very, very much so worth the time. Uh, the closing track, Behind the Curtain. So take what I've mentioned with like that uh, apocalyptic nature, the daunting uh, feels of songs like Cease and Decease and Vengeance and Violence. So it's done differently with Behind the Curtain. And there's not really like a vocal performance per se. It's more so just like, like a radio type of uh, voice. Yet that being mixed with the really dark and brooding backing it made for a very very memorable closer um and for a lot of reasons i would say marionette by siphon shows so much versatility while maybe kind of having a formula per se and being a little bit formulaic at times and i think that's where i decided to go with the 9.5 out of 10 rating rather than a 10 because there are some moments on this record that i don't really know what the lasting power will be i don't know what's going to keep me from going back to a song like no longer alone constantly over so do i so do i i know for sure is going to be a song that i keep in my rotation uh probably withering away shatter pieces as well um but then maybe some songs later on i don't really know what is going to happen there i would say the first half of the record i definitely prefer over the second half but all in all this is a very very strong album i enjoyed it a lot and i cannot recommend it enough to not only veil of maya fans but then also just fans of the scene in general uh there is a new album by travels it is called death throws So this is Travel's second album, but it actually is their first in 
at the very least 10 years. So Spotify is showing their previous album called Life as a 2012 release on uh, when I search Google on Bandcamp. It has a December 16th, 2011 release date. Uh, could y'all hear the truck passing by car, whatever the fuck it is? Uh, I, uh, I'm not going to fix that anytime soon. I'm sorry. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm stuck in. Um, but anyways, travels, um, this is outstanding. Uh, this record almost didn't make the cut for this week because it dropped February 20th, not the 18th. So this was a Sunday release and I just happened to have the time that day to review it. And I went ahead and did so. And I'm grateful that I did because I would have been missing out on one of the coolest releases I've heard so far this year. Um, so just to kind of get out of the way, like what the record sounds like, or rather what travels as an act sounds like, um, movements was the thing that immediately came to mind. Um, but there's like, uh, this, like, um, uh, I don't want to say a lack of production because it's like a, a calculated move, I would think, but it's like purposely, um, a little bit less polished than something that is like more out there, like movements. Um, it, it, it feels very, very rough at times, but it's that rough nature of the production and mixing that I think works to the advantage of Death Throws. Um, so the opening song, Brick by Brick, that one kind of lets you know immediately what is happening here. The somber nature of the post-hardcore tones here, the just again, really strange, but also fulfilling vocal delivery. Um, and I, I would also say the transition that goes from Brick by Brick into the second song, Fear, is just so effortless and seamless. And it's like these two songs are just like conjoined and meant to be next to one another. Um, I, I, again, like what I'm, what I'm talking about before with like the emotional backing, it feels just like so in tune with the kind of stuff that I would have uh, been adoring growing up in the, the 2000s. Um, I, I really like a lot of what Death Rose is doing for me, not only for nostalgia purposes, but then also just giving me something really captivating in the modern era. Um, I really, really like the kind of alternating pattern for three songs, uh, Labor and Love. It picks up the pace kind of tremendously instrumentally, and it feels a little bit more like free and loose compared to Brick by Brick and Fear. And then that goes into Channel Swimming, which uh, is a once it takes the record back into that really emotional side of it. And then from there, Dream goes back to what I'm talking about with the energetic stuff. So you're able to kind of see from just like the first half of the record, a versatile range with travels that I think is really, really commendable. Um, so there's a song, Full Circle, which acts as like an interlude section. It, it's just an instrumental track, but again, it's just really, really like beautiful in the same way that the other songs on Death Rose are. Um, 18 Lives and Haunted. With those two songs, I was given like another reference point, I would say, for what this album reminds me of, and that would be the Mallory Run EP from last year called Picture Perfect. Um, it's just like kind of feels so like uh moving and enchanting with so much like punk spirit integrated into it it's a little bit hard for me to explain but um it, it's so easy for me to find an attachment to this kind of sound um and then there's i and i or one and one i'm not really sure like which way it's actually stylized um, but that's another interlude section, or maybe it's not really interlude because it's a little bit longer than what I would classify as being an interlude, but it's just, it's another instrumental song that lets you kind of see more of the layers of what makes up travels and how talented they are for that matter. And then the closing track, Hand in Hand, 
there is like some sense of despair, I would say, that I can find with that song. Just the way that the guitar notes are just held out a little bit longer from the rest of the album, the way that the screams are held out a little bit longer than the rest of the album, it just kind of feels like the band is like so fatigued by that point. And um, I, I don't know if this was all recorded with one take or if it was done the way that records normally are, but from the hand in hands execution, I get the sense that it was like a one take thing. And by that point, they're just like gone and out of it. And what you get is this raw, uh, display of a band having given you all that they can possibly give you. Um, Death Rose was a very, very satisfying listen. I love so much about it. I, I imagine myself going back to this record very, very, very often throughout the rest of this year. And I cannot say enough good things about travels. And I can't make this recommendation enough to all of you listening. So for the final record, uh, for this episode, it is the new introvert album called What Was Your Exit Plan? Something I remember about season one of this podcast was when I got to review This Is How the World Ends by Bad Flower, I called it the most deranged album I had listened to that year. Um, so it is February right now, almost at the end of February, uh, you know, not even a quarter of the way through 2022. I cannot imagine anything dethroning what was your exit plan as season two's most deranged record. Instrumentally and sonically, I draw a lot of parallels to the Dillinger Escape Plan. It's just so chaotic and all over the place and unorganized. And there are so many sections on this record that are like so offbeat and off rhythm with each other. I saw in the, the YouTube comments for some of these tracks, people mentioning that as like a point for them to lose interest in this album because that's nothing that they can kind of draw themselves to. For me, I really, really do like that style. Um, it's definitely, uh, not for everybody. I will say that. I don't even want to say an acquired taste. I feel like it's just something that like you're either into or you're not. Um, for me, I can definitely get behind that kind of stuff. Um, and then lyrically, that is a, how do I want to phrase this? There is a, a lot of really, really disturbing shit happening here. And maybe the album could do with like a trigger warning. Um, and okay. So the college experience is one of the songs on here. I'm going to read off some of these lyrics. Okay. And again, I'm reading off the lyrics here. Did you touch yourself while he fucked you? Yes. You rang for him? Sometimes. And he does? We do everything that people who have sex do. Did you accept the role? Yes. Then why did you do that? I don't know. Yes. And to think you weren't sweeter. Fuck off and die, you fucking slut. Okay, so again, this is definitely an area where I imagine some, most, a lot of listeners leaving this record. Uh, it's not for everybody. I kind of feel weird and gross in some ways for loving this record the way that I do, but there's just so much um, emotion packed into this, and it's an angry record. It is fucking vile and violent, yet I can't pull myself away from that. Um, 
there's a uh okay so gucci body bags this features like a uh like a wide array of talent within it so you have a black tongue matthew jones from uh martyr defiled and victims all present on this track um so i'm gonna read off some lyrics again god this is not fun uh you said you always liked it with my hand around your throat. Let's see how much you like it when you really fucking choke. Pull hard, yeah, suspend your body by the rope. Cut you up and paint the walls like a modern day Picasso. Um, I like it. I can't fucking act like I don't, and I'm sorry. Yeah, this record is so twisted and deranged, and in some ways, maybe like an incel anthem. Again, similarly to that Badflower record, but I... Okay, I've said this before. Something I will never do on this show is lie to any of you. I fuck with what was your exit plan so much. Um, it's just like so... Okay, so imagine like all these lyrics I'm reading off. Imagine that with the fucking like just most uh, demented and out of tune, distorted, like metalcore slash deathcore backing track. It's just wild and chaotic. And again, I really, really like it. Y'all want to do this re a lyric read-off one more time? Okay, so Fannin Street Blues. Um, okay. What do I want to read off? Okay, sure. Let's do this. I'd crash my car if I knew I would die. I'd rather be dead than in hell but alive. I'd crash my car if I knew I would die. I'd rather be dead than in hell at your side. Dog. It it's intense. It's definitely... A, a, a wild experience, one that I personally will never forget. I will never forget the amount of times my jaw dropped and my eyes just widened listening to what was your exit plan. And that's one of the reasons, again, why I like it so much. I really, really do adore this album. It's so weird to adore something this malevolent, but I, I feel something with this album. I like it. I like the anger in it. I like the emotion. I like how real, authentic it feels. Um, it, it's just so, like, um, it's for me. Like, this is a record that was definitely for me. And again, it's not going to be for everybody. If you don't want to give this album a chance because of what I've been saying, I understand that. If you give it a chance and you, you know, exit it, no pun intended, midway through or like right at the start, I don't blame you. I understand not liking this album. I understand the issues that people can have with it. But for me personally, I love it. I really, really do. And I can't act like that's not the case. And that was it. That was every record single uh, from this week that I had to review. Um... So I don't really want to end this episode on like a downer note, but, um, I, I really do think I should at least like acknowledge this stuff. Um, I don't have a platform. I don't really have a voice. Like maybe a handful of people listen to this every week that hopefully changes in the future. But for right now, um, there's not really a voice for me to kind of, uh, put out into the world, but I want to try it anyways, because, uh, some things that like really, really can't be ignored should not be ignored. Um, so there is the stuff happening in Texas with the literal endangerment of the lives of trans kids. Um, so I, I've kind of said this before, um, with me not actually being part of the LGBT community, I can't, um, identify with these struggles. I can't understand them. I can't, you know, uh, put myself in you guys's, uh, shoes or per se, but what I can do is listen and I can try to help in any way I can and be as 
vital of an ally as I can. And, um, you know, I, I can't, again, can't understand what people are going through in this instance, but I can feel for y'all. I can see what's happening in my own state for that matter and say, this is fucked up. This is not right. Nobody should be tar- literally targeted in this way. And, you know, all of you out there uh, who are affected by this, you have my support, you have my love, I stand by all of you. At the same time, there's also the stuff happening uh, in Ukraine right now, which is just wild and so crazy and out there. And it's fucking weird to be seeing all this happen in real time on Twitter, where some of the discourse is like literal seriousness, like, you know, empathy for the people that are going through what they're going through over there. And then there's like, you know, people getting off jokes and it, it, you know, it's not, I'm not blaming these people. It's the culture. It's so fucking weird to live through something like this and have all of these different reactions. And, um, you know, literally this is all just happening right now. Uh, I, I don't know what the future looks like for that specific area. Um, but like, this is, this is not good. It's not good. It's fucked up, and it, it it's very, very dire to think of what could come out of this. Um, so, you know, uh, protect trans kids, save trans lives, prayers with Ukraine, pray for Ukraine, stand with Ukraine, just, you know, l- let's just be good to each other. Let's be civil. I, I guess that's really, really all I can say for uh, this bit. Um, and again, I didn't mean to end on a downer note, but I, I couldn't not acknowledge these events because they're important. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this chapter. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.